May I speak in the name of the living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's an extraordinary introduction to the Christian faith for children preparing for confirmation, which was uh, written in about 1920 by an Anglican priest and hymn writer, Coles. And this is how it begins from memory. The Church of England is part of the one holy Catholic Church throughout the world. The opposite of Catholic is heretic, and heretics are damned. This is how some people see the world, as a place of absolute clarity where the boundaries between things such as Catholic and heretic are crystal clear. People like this see the world like a map with clear edges. They see the faith almost like um, geometry of squares and rectangles and triangles and circles, in some places overlapping, in some places not. And there is precision in the Christian faith. There are precise, definite things that God tells us are always wrong. You shall not commit murder. You shall not lie, bearing false witness. But this vision of the Christian faith as a sort of mathematics textbook I find deeply disturbing because because it implies that truth is always clear and we can always know exactly where we stand. This disturbs me because it seems that there is not sufficient space in this sort of system to allow for the complexity of human love and sin and forgiveness and hope. Only this last week I heard a sermon preached by a Roman Catholic priest who said that if we doubt one of the teachings of the church We have separated ourselves from Christ and our salvation is at risk. I mean, that is simply not true. Um, (coughs) This clarity between all the doctrines of the church and where exactly we stand is sometimes deeply attractive to us when we feel a bit lost or uncertain, when we are coming into faith and need to know that it all fits together. But I think it's often something we need to leave behind, perhaps as a good basis, but not the only, not the centre of how we can understand truth as Christians. And so St Paul says... We speak God's wisdom, mysterious and hidden. It is not a wisdom of this age.
So Paul wants to distinguish the wisdom, the truth that we speak and know and live as Christians from the rather shallow and mechanistic thinking of the wider community where right and wrong and all is clear. Paul's writing to a church in Chile, in, not in Chile, in, in um, Corinthians, there we are, I wrote C in my note here, distinctly the wrong, the wrong country there, that was a right and wrong and I was wrong. Writing to a church in Corinth where people were dividing over some fundamental questions, was the Christian faith a philosophy like Platonism? where everything was set out clearly? Or was it a way of life? And Paul absolutely lands on the second, saying that Christianity is not a system of philosophy. Rather, it's proclamation of God's mystery, of the crucified Christ. In the Christian faith, when we teach it or live it, our focus is always on Christ, not on particular rules interpreted in particular ways. Jesus does give us rules and clarity, but note that he always reinterprets them so that he sees these rules as indicating a direction of a journey, an invitation to love more, to come closer to Christ, rather than a simple indication of red or green, no or yes. So, for example, famously, the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, I've done everything. I have exactly completed my duty according to the law of Moses. What's left? And Jesus says, okay, give away everything you can have and come follow me. Jesus reinterprets the whole of the Mosaic law as an invitation to draw closer to God and indeed follow his own self. All of the rules have been given a different meaning because they are shown as a pointing to love, to justice, and to Christ. It's in this context that I'd like to say a little about the recent, recent statement by the House of Bishops on marriage. You may have read this in the press. <coughs> it came out with very little, very little you know, preparation um, and in a large way restated the traditional doctrine of the church, or so they thought, or so they said. But it was presented in a way which was so unfeeling and dismissive and cold, 
that it undermined whatever positive thing the bishops may have been intending. Our own bishop, Pete, has very clearly stated that the document was entirely misconceived, and he's surely right. It was also wrong. The House of Bishops statement implies that from the time of the New Testament, marriage has always been the same. This is a simply untrue. Biblical marriage, biblical marriage was polygamy. That is, biblical marriage, except for bishops, allows men to take more than one wife. We almost don't see that in the Bible because it's so culturally foreign to us, but it in fact, that is the teaching of the Hebrew Bible and where it is not corrected of the New Testament. So the church emphatically has moved from that biblical teaching to marriage being between one, with being between two people. Then at the time of Re the Reformation, Archbishop Cranmer, for the first time in the whole history of the Christian faith, put in our prayer book that marriage is for companionship not simply for the production of children. Again, it's so obvious to us that we almost don't think it's worth stating, but this was an extraordinary step forward in the interpretation of holy matrimony, which still in the Roman Catholic Church is not seen as a primary reason for marriage. I find it extraordinary, but it is so in my understanding. Um, there's much I could say but another time on that issue <clears throat> then in our own time less than a hundred years ago the whole of the Lambeth Conference of Anglican Bishops changed the church's teaching on contraception Hard though it is to imagine, the Church of England used to teach that contraception was a sin. But based on the teaching of the prayer book, that marriage is there for companionship, the Lambeth Conference voted that co contraception was not only not a sin, but a positive thing, something to be used as a good thing to support relationships. And then more recently, since the Second World War, very painfully, there has in effect be a been a change in the teaching of the Church of England around divorce. Strictly, there's been no change. In fact, clergy are now permitted to marry people who've been divorced, just as they are in the Russian Orthodox and Greek Orthodox churches. And to see that new relationship as life-giving and true. So as a matter of simple historical fact, the House of Bishops' statement was wrong. But the greater difficulty with it, for me, 
amongst many difficulties. The greater difficulty is that it was stated as a simple case of right and wrong, here we are, put up with it. That is not the scriptural way to present teaching of the Christian faith. The correct way, I believe, in accordance with the scriptures, is to take our patterns of belief and show how they point to Christ. Rather than seeing marriage as a particular legal construct, we should see marriage as a way not only to deepen our companionship and love for our partner, but as a way to open up our relationships to Christ, to walk towards Christ, rather than fulfill a particular understanding of a scriptural legal obligation. Any doctrine, any ethic, which does not point us towards Jesus Christ, is false. How, therefore, are we to live? There is a second, and I believe, profoundly scriptural way of understanding truth and falsity. And instead of seeing as the, the whole world or our lives as a sort of map where everything is clear, we can think of truth as a candle burning in the darkness. Truth is something we discover as we walk towards that candle. The closer we are, the greater the depth of truth we understand and the more things that are brought into the light. Fundamentally, however, the teaching of the New Testament is that truth is a person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who is himself the light of the world, the closer we come to following Christ and to being with Christ, the closer we are to truth and the more profoundly the, light, the world around us is illuminated in its beauty. So when we are unsure about the truth or falsity of any statement to do with faith or ethics... The teaching of the church is actually that we should consult the scriptures, reflect using our reason, and listen very deeply to the spirit which often speaks through our own conscience. The spirit that in this letter Paul says searches God's own being. We are not given a map. We are given an infallible direction to follow by the Scriptures. To live our lives always walking towards Christ, confident that that is the way that is life-giving, confident that there we will see light. The motto of the Anglican Communion, chosen from the Scriptures, is 
a short saying of Jesus, the truth will set you free, or Christ, who is truth, will set you free. How much deeper, how much truer, how much more full of life and light and hope the teaching of the church will be when it is said always within that context of walking towards Christ. May Christ give us grace to recognize in him all truth. May Christ give us grace to open our lives and hearts and walk towards him. May Christ give us grace to recognize truth in one another. May Christ open the scriptures to us so that we may know him.